This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 26, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court this week takes up the First Amendment implications of a blanket prohibition on wearing clothing containing political messages at the polling place. Is the Minnesota law too broad? Wen Fa is an attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation that is representing the Minnesota Voters Alliance before the Supreme Court. We spoke about the case last week. This seems like a case that d- isn't that important. You know, uh, it's whether or not somebody can wear a T-shirt at a at a very very specific time and place. Why did the court take it? Do you think? Well, I think the court took it just because the court has been very protective of free speech, and in, in fact, it is an important issue for uh, my clients and other voters across the country because T-shirts are an essential way for someone to express his or her political opinions. And what better time to uh, to express your political viewpoints than on election day? Uh, for example, our clients here were just wearing a t-shirt that said, don't tread on me with a logo of a tea party, uh, the local tea party on the shirt. But the, the, our challenge really is trying to vindicate the free speech rights of voters in other states who are wearing shirts that say things like Chamber of Commerce, AFL-CIO, or NAACP. This law is so broad that it bans all of those T-shirts and subjects them to um, misdemeanor penalties. Detail for me the facts of this case. You've, you've spelled out a few of them. So our client Andy Selick was showed up to vote in 2010 wearing the uh, Don't Tread on Me T-shirt with a, the picture of the Gatson flag and a Tea Party logo. And the election judge, which is a poll worker in Minnesota, basically told him that he couldn't go to vote because he had that shirt that said Tea Party and Minnesota law prohibits you from wearing any sort of apparel uh, promoting a group with, quote, a recognizable political view. So uh, he tried, Andy tried twice to vote. The poll worker wouldn't let him in. The third time, Andy was finally allowed to vote, but the poll worker took his name and address, address down for prosecution, for potential prosecution. And then Andy filed his First Amendment challenge saying that this law is unconstitutional because it prohibits so much protected First Amendment activity from the wearing of a Tea Party shirt to an ACLU shirt to a shirt that said Federalist Society. Basically, the possibilities are quite endless about what the state could restrict at the polling place, and that's just uh, stifles too much First Amendment activity. So what are the questions presented to the court? Because he's not wearing sort of a campaign shirt, you would think that the question would be could be a lot uh, broader than if he were wearing some sort of campaign shirt. That's absolutely right. He wasn't wearing a campaign shirt. He was wearing a shirt um, that said Tea Party. So the question presented is really whether a state can ban all political apparel at the polling place. And here we actually have a pretty good record. A lot of these facial challenges, you don't have a great record because you're just looking at the text of the statute and it's, you know, the record's not well developed. But here we have the government actually admitting that someone wearing a AFL-CIO t-shirt, a Chamber of Commerce t-shirt, or even a Minnesota Vikings jersey uh, when they go to vote in Minnesota could be prosecuted. All right. So um, I guess what are the implications here? You said that that, that the it could be endless in terms of how states might prohibit what people wear to the polls, but it seems to me that the 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 uh, one of the losses here is that 
states might prevent people from voting if they are wearing certain articles of clothing. Yeah, that's certainly true. Our client, for example, uh, didn't get to vote for six hours after he first showed up to the polling place because of this law. So here, not only does this law uh, stifle the ability to uh, uh, express yourself, it also kind of undermines um, uh, people's ability to vote in, in some ways because someone might show up to a polling place wearing a shirt that says Tea Party or ACLU, and an election judge might harass that person and take that person's name down for prosecution if that person does not remove the shirt. So I think in that sense, it definitely chills a lot of speech, and you have instances in other other states in which someone was prevented from voting just for wearing an I Miss Bill t-shirt in the polls in Arkansas. Another person was wearing a uh, Massachusetts of Institute, Massachusetts uh, of Institute for Technology T-shirt uh, at a polling place in Florida, and the T-shirt said MIT, and this was in 2012. And the poll worker stopped that person from voting because uh, the poll worker thought the person was campaigning for Mitt Romney because the shirt said because <laughs> the shirt just because the shirt said MIT so you have all these <laughs> spelled incorrectly exactly so you have all these sorts of egregious example of basically just people showing up to a polling place with a t-shirt and you know and the poll workers not allowing them to vote does this case in your view have any implications beyond polling places i mean it's it's one of those things where yeah i guess i can sort of understand that for the purposes of making this sort of narrow time window of voting go very smoothly it may be in this one instance you can say don't wear this shirt but do you, do you think that there are any implications beyond polling places for this case well uh First of all, I, I just want to say that I don't think that wearing a Minnesota Vikings jersey, whether it's a Case Keenum or Jarek McKinnon jersey to the polling place, really disrupts uh, the smooth process of voting in any sense. But um, second, I, I do think this case has implications beyond the polling place because a lot of the state's argument has been uh, a reflection of the argument recently, especially on college campuses, that speech itself is is violence. And we say we push back against that. We say no um, uh, states like Minnesota and all four, uh, 50 states in the union have laws prohibiting violence or disorderly conduct or voter de- uh, intimidation at the polling place. But speech, just passive speech especially itself, is not violence and shouldn't be prohibited. And that's that's a ruling that I can see applied beyond the polling place to areas like college campuses as well. How is this case going to turn out? I mean, it seems like a slam dunk. It doesn't the, – the question presented is not about explicit electioneering where you're promoting some candidate or a referendum or something. The question is about whether uh, the, the powers of – poll workers, I guess, to make determinations about what's acceptable and what isn't. Yeah, I mean, I always hesitate to make predictions about cases, but I do think this case is going to be uh, going to lead into a going to lead to a pro-First Amendment ruling by the Supreme Court uh, and pretty heavily uh, in favor of the First Amendment because in in past court cases, the Supreme Court has been very protective of free speech and has done so regardless of where they might fall uh, under the uh, traditional party line, so to speak. So I think that's one of the reasons that I think this case will uh, appeal to justices on the left and the right, and that's a reason that 
um, uh, organizations ranging from the Libertarian Cato Institute to the liberal ACLU have all filed amicus briefs in support of our clients and the First Amendment. Wen Fa is an attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 